welcome to TSC Talks. My name is Jill Woodworth. This is where I share and reflect my lived experience within the dense matrix and systemic programming, awakening through the role of parent caregiver of loved ones affected by a tuberous sclerosis complex, observing and integrating traumas and the limiting beliefs they spawn that keep us from knowing our own truth of who we are as divine beings. Through the portal of podcasting, interviews, monologues, discussions, and workshops, I share topics and tools I've found relevant and worthwhile for those living with or caregiving for individuals through the extremes of chronic illness created by a disconnected, disjointed societal and individual understanding of ourselves as whole in mind, body, and spirit. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. Today, my guest, you're going to love him, is James Davis. He is the head or he is the leader of Base Staters for Natural Medicines, and I'm not going to give much more of an introduction here as I already do it on the podcast, so hope you enjoy, learn something, take it away, James. Hello, welcome to TSC Talks, your host, Jill Woodworth here. I am so glad to be with James Davis. He is a, he is a volunteer, among other things, but my basis of meeting him was a volunteer and the leader of Bay Staters for Natural Medicine. Just to give you a little background here before we get started, I'm going to read this, but um, he's done tremendous work. I'm really excited to have him here. And I'll tell you how our paths crossed in a minute, but he's the leader for Bay Staters for Natural Medicine. They've mobilized over a thousand Massachusetts volunteers to decriminalize Somerville, Cambridge, Northampton, East Hampton, Pending resolutions in Boston, Burlington, Vermont, Amherst, Worcester, Needham, Salem, and Medford. These resolutions decriminalize growing and selling plants like magic mushrooms, which reduce the risk of opioid addiction 55% after a single experience and have been proven to, to have statistically significant benefits for PTSD and depression. Their resolutions also end all controlled substance Uh, possession arrests, referring people for addiction, treatment, and committing our cities to invest in these services. Let's see, in in your day job, you're a legislative director to a Massachusetts state rep that chairs the Legislators Cannabis Committee and formerly did legislative work for the City Council of Berkeley. You have a master's degree in public administration from USC and a BA in economics and history from Columbia. And your views do not necessarily represent your employee. One thing that I, I read in when I was researching you a little bit was that your personal connection. Actually, no, I'll let you go into it. So yeah, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and about the advocacy work that you're doing and we will roll from there. Thanks, James. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. I'm really excited to chat and I am really grateful for the support you showed for base daters when we were just right. a, a 10 follower Instagram group. We only started about a year and some months ago. And at that stage, we were just uh, weirdos emailing our city councils, sharing our stories with plant medicine. We took the philosophy that we didn't need to fundraise a lot of money. We didn't need to even have a website active to just start doing this advocacy work and start speaking from the heart. And, you know, what this has snowballed into is really, really awesome and beautiful. And all the lessons we've learned along the way in advocacy and about the medicines themselves just 
from meeting so many people whose lives have been changed with the psilocybin experience or an MDMA experiment experience or an LSD experience. So just really honored to be here and really glad that we met too. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah. To tell you a little bit more about who I am, I know you mentioned all those credentials. Yeah. They really don't define who I am, I would say. So I, I grew up in Kansas in a trailer park that was on the wrong side of the railroad tracks. So all the middle class kids lived on one side wow. out by the Walmart Supercenter. And then I lived on the side that was mostly liquor stores and churches um, <laughs> and run down streets. So oh, James. I was, I was raised by my mom, my biggest inspiration in life. And she growing up was always working multiple jobs to make ends meet really inspired me to work hard as well. And then she was dealing with a lot of intergenerational trauma herself. Her fathers had served in the Pacific theater, the Korean war and Vietnam. And there was just a lot of, a lot of trauma that she had picked up from childhood and then mm. relationships stemming from, from being a young woman and just growing sure. alongside her really shaped me into the person I am today and made me really compassionate to help people who are struggling in poverty, who have that intergenerational trauma. So that's why I think fundamentally this line of work emerged for me. That's really beautiful. I know I'm sure that was not, it was a tough upbringing in a lot of ways, but I, yeah, just to have your mom, just to have that connection with your mom. I, I, I remember when I first met you and I should say, I don't know how our paths crossed specifically, but maybe through social media, but I ended up doing a little bit of advocacy work with James and I've had my own plant medicine experiences that have been transformational. Really, I, I don't want to say saved my life, but really gave me the insight I needed to, to kind of take charge and not to be, not be a victim and be a participant in my, my life. So I, you know, I'm so supportive of this. I think it's, I think it's great for I want to say everybody, but it, it might not be right for everybody, but um, for as many people as possible. And I do want to say as a special needs mom, we're, we're kind of trapped in a lot of situations that can't, that don't necessarily resolve. And I think that having a tool like this can give you an ability to get above a lot of the, the trauma that you're actually, ex you're experiencing trauma, either whether you're witnessing it or you're impacted by something that's happening with your kids or the fallout from relationship problems. And, you know, this tool has been tremendous as well as I'd say cannabis as well but the plant medicines, the plants, <laughs> thank God for the Absolutely. plants. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So how's the, you know, you guys have done amazing since I last was even involved. So I don't know if you want to talk further about that uh, or move into a more personal discussion and talk about like the, what your life's been like, you gave a little bit or any particular lived experience that, that have moved you into you know, further understanding why you're here and what you're doing kind of thing. So I'm going to try to actually combine those questions Good. and segue, segue into the latter. So where we kind of left off in early 2020 is we had finally heard back from Somerville city councilors. Okay. You know, yeah, that's the, old right. mantra, the old mantra goes, you know, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you. <laughs> then they debate you and then you win. And that's the exact formula, mm. formula we have seen across the state with plant medicine is you're not taken seriously at first. 
But then when they're receiving an email a day from people who are very credentialed and very serious about how this has changed their life, they start to pay attention because these city councilors see a lot of human suffering in their own communities and their own families. They can't turn away. Many of them privately struggle with these issues as well because they're human beings too. And so when we finally got that meeting with my Somerville city councilor at the time, we were going to approach it the same way we approach our weekly meetings. And that's to speak from the heart. Mm. So every single week we meet online at 7 PM and the first half of the meeting is making people feel at home, giving them a space to talk about plant medicine or their thoughts on it. If they haven't done it, what makes them passionate? What brought them to the meeting? Because having that people first philosophy where your story is your biggest Mm. tool for advocacy has served us extremely well. You know, we do then talk about strategy and then we take the actions in those, those weekly meetings, their community action hours. But we try to model that philosophy of speaking from the heart and why we care or why when we meet with lawmakers, because you will never change the world with just graphs or just statistics or even just logic, because human beings are not logical creatures. We're, we're emotional creatures. Mm. We're creatures whose you know mood impacts judges' decisions if they've had lunch yet. And so even- Such an important most, thing to mention. Sorry, I had to add that. Yeah, we are. That's how we are designed to operate. People, we've forgotten. And so if we hear from people who have lived experiences with depression or uh, suicidality or PTSD, or they're, they're coming from a veteran background, whatever that is, we have many different types of people in base staters. That's, that's what convinces lawmakers to go forward. So in that first meeting, since we were vulnerable about our past and why we cared, our city councilor was vulnerable and told us that he had lost his mother to cancer just a few months before, earlier that year. Mm. And this came up because psilocybin assisted therapy has an 80% clinical response rate for people struggling with terminal illness, anxiety. And there was not a dry eye in that Zoom call. Oh, I can feel it. Knowing that if we had just met with him six months before, we could have provided him and his family a lot of relief, a lot of relief. And so that's what this work fundamentally is about, is persuading as many people as possible that these are not drugs. These are substances that were scheduled by the United States federal government for political purposes. And it was a horrendous mistake for our mental health and for our communities. And that's, that's our guiding star, is to educate people and inspire more people to try to plant try these plant medicines too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say just from being involved in your organization, you took the time with me personally to hear my story. I think you were one of the first person people that I told my, you know, my true story from, you know, pretty much from start to finish. And you listened and just were so engaged and vulnerable yourself. I really appreciated that. And the one meeting that we had with our lo- my local reps, because I actually did, you know, did use microdosing 
at a certain point. And it, it definitely shifted, shifted some deep depression that I was dealing with. And I felt really strongly that they needed to hear about it. But yeah, just leading with the heart is beautiful. I just, it's just such a gift and so glad to hear about all your, you guys' progress so far. I'm sure you'll keep going. So keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more about personally. And, you know, like we said, any controversies around it, I think, when you said, not to segue too much, oh gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, why don't you go into, into a little more? So fundamentally, the reason why base staters work city by city, having already decriminalized four and you know notable ones like the ones yeah, you mentioned, yeah. Amherst, Bedford, Salem, Revere, Needham, and Worcester with a, a veteran version, Burlington, Vermont next month, Boston potentially in a few months. Amazing. The reason why we are going city by city is because people, first of all, trust their local lawmakers more than they do an abstract government or the medical complex. <laughs> and then We also want to have these measures stand as a hedge against corporate lobbying on the state level because there is hundreds of billions of dollars at stake on how we legalize these plants. Oh, I bet. So for example, there's a camp that's trying to just get patented synthetic versions of these molecules so they can start selling it to very, very wealthy people. It's going to serve maybe the top 1% of income earners. Then there's a corporation called MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, that co-ops the language of social justice. They pretend to be the good guys. They pretend to be against the patent people, but they're trying to over-regulate how you can sit with a care provider to use these medicines. And so the end result of that lobbying could be that you have to only use this with a licensed therapist. Well, here's who that leaves out. Their own research says that most people can't afford the co-pays and deductibles associated with mental health care, even if they have insurance. So, you know, 30 million Americans don't have insurance. So then we have folks who just don't trust the medical complex. A lot mm-hmm. of people in this country, their first interaction with the mental health care system is a call from DCF the Department of Child and Family Services, there's people extremely skeptical of the medical complex that don't want to sit with a therapist to do this. They're more beneficial doing it at home or with a trusted friend. Then there's folks who, you know, they're from Haiti. They're first or second generation immigrants that there's no therapists that look like them or talk like them or understand culture the way they do, which is why base staters is providing free trainings for people on how to trip sit. So we can create uh, a legion of people who are informed about plant medicine and can hold space for others and help them process it therapeutically as well without the need for this expensive licensing that's going to make an experience that should be basically free up to $200 versus, you know, tens of thousands of dollars like these corporate actors are lobbying for. So with that mission in place, that's why we go city by city and just try to educate as many people, which, you know, is what I'm, I'm partially here to do today. So. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And I've kind of followed the psychedelic movement and I see that I see how like 
big pharma and corporations want to get in there. And I'm always, whenever somebody posts about how great that I'm, no, no, you're taking away the, like the experiential and there can't be like a power structure to it. And I could see personally, that's one thing that attracted me to it is I didn't have to go see a doctor. It was something I could facilitate at home. You know, I knew enough about, I was able to research enough, had people that I could talk to about it and, and do it myself. And yeah, I did not want to go near a a therapist or (laughs) any of those systems. So yeah, that's great. It's really, um, and and to to bring this, to bring this back and to the personal level, I really don't like most therapists. So I had an experience in college where my mom had almost gotten killed in a mass shooting that happened in my hometown. And my my friends had told me that they saw police cars outside the trailer park where I grew up. It turns out the, the mass shooter had fled to a different part. I didn't know that. And I was in New York at the time for school. And I was just calling my mom frantically. She was uh, working late shift at Walmart, couldn't pick up. And I was just, I had a mental breakdown, just worried about my mom. And, you know, I needed a lot of love and a lot of care in that situation. But instead... Mm-hmm. I had a microeconomics exam at 9 a.m. the next day. I opened up that exam. I'd prepare it very diligently. I love economics. And I could barely even read the questions because I was in such a compromised emotional state. So I told the professor what had happened. You know, he's not my, he's not my therapist. He's a, he's a, microeconomics researcher, not exactly the most empathetic people, but he says, no problem, James, you'll just need to get a note from the mental health department, the counseling treatment center so that you can retake the test. So I went in, found myself a therapist. I got a guy. I thought, oh, you know, a guy, whatever. It was really one of the first times I'd been in therapy and I told him what had happened and why that had compromised my ability to take this test. And he seemed to be listening, listening pretty intently. He had his degrees on the wall, his master's degree, his PhD, and, and all these books. And he looks at me and he says, well, I know a lot of students at this school are struggling academically. Have you kept a calendar? That's helpful. My and gosh. so, you know, I told him about PTSD and and other, you know, just genuine hardships, worrying for my mom's safety growing up. And then this situation where she could have been killed. And his advice was to keep a calendar. And I pulled out my calendar and I showed him and I said, I do keep a calendar, very nice calendar. And he really had nothing substantive to say because he never wanted for anything in life. And I've, I've spoken with a few very, very gifted therapists over the years, not necessarily like person to person about my problems, but a lot of therapists feel the same way about their own colleagues. They don't think that they're very empathetic or like that emotionally intelligent of people, particularly for folks who didn't grow up like them, who couldn't afford master's degrees, who didn't go to college. And so until we have a mental health care system where we train people from all backgrounds how to hold space for each other, you're going to have really ineffective talk therapists who are just kind of going through the motions with a lot of people. And that's, that's pathetic. It doesn't have to be that way. I'm so right with you. So right with you. My own experiences with therapists over the years have just been 
nightmare. Well, some of them nightmarish, but just, they just could not get the lived experience piece. It's so, it's like such a part of like what I'm trying to do with this podcast is, you know, we're just missing so many pieces by not tapping these rich lived experiences from situations like yours growing up that way, you know, not looking at all these degrees on the wall and just the human experience and what we gain from like the, the bottom being at the bottom or uh, those are, those are the deep experiences that give us the, the, I don't know what, I don't even know how to put it. They give us the connection and the, the inner strength to, to walk through this crazy world. So, yeah, I am so glad that you are on that same page because I feel so much the same way. I see it with my kids who've been in counseling. They're just not meeting them where they're at. So, yeah, that's that's phenomenal to know that you have that, that impetus behind base staters. And maybe, maybe one idea I'd interject into the conversation, too, is I wouldn't say that everyone who has been through the ringer in life is going to be a good mental health counselor. There's plenty of people oh, who true. it's like, maybe, maybe they'll be more empathetic from the experience, but then sometimes life kicks people so hard and so much that they actually become less empathetic and more closed off. So it's like, point. it's, it's about finding people who have this X factor where they really just do care about others and can listen and can listen. And I even feel like some people who have had it relatively easy can still have that X factor True. and can still be extremely compassionate and helpful people. Just a lot of the folks who end up with that therapist license and, and all those master's degrees, unfortunately, a lot of them just don't have that X factor. And then, you know, for a lot of vulnerable populations that need someone that understands their trauma to some degree, mm-hmm. we're, we're not serving them. A great example of this is I think like fewer than 5% of therapists are people of color in a country that is like very close Mm -hmm. to becoming like majority minority, I think like in the next few years. And it's just like, you know, you can, you can still have empathetic experiences despite your, your identity, you know, for sure. But it is probably pretty helpful to talk about like racism with someone who has experienced racism, you know? Right, right. Right. Yeah. It seems like getting away from the professional idea of mental health, more of a like, I don't want to say pal mentor, like instead of this charging and structure and and systems that just don't really apply to humans, they apply to systems. So, yeah, there's a, there's a guy in Japan that makes, I think like over probably a million dollars a year or something. And he basically just goes on walks with people who are lonely. Oh, he like, I love he'll, it. He'll like go to dinner with them and just like be their friend for like an hour and people will pay out the nose for that. And <laughs> I, I think that's just a symptom of the rot that our economic system has like thrust on our society. It's like neighbors used to like s- sit in their stoops and, and talk to each other. Yeah. We used to get together to play cards. We used to live closer to our families. We didn't spend as much time with our face and our goddamn phones all oh the time. Oh my gosh. We had, we had community. People were in bowling clubs. They were in unions. They were in, you know, clubs and societies. And they would they would find meaning in their lives from that. And 
for whatever reason, that dopamine hit we just get from just scrolling our feeds and our social media has replaced a lot of that community. So Bay Staters is also trying, we throw in-person events uh, that are coming up. It's been a little yeah. harder because it's just been really cold. And then a lot of people are concerned about Omicron. I've been less concerned, <laughs> frankly. And then you know, having that in-person experience, it's it's irreplaceable. And it's something that all of these lockdowns, restrictions, just the past two years has just, we were already on a slow decline to becoming the loneliest society we've ever been. But then that just accelerated it, you know, tenfold. And we got to really? get back from that. We have to. Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. And the guy you mentioned in, was it China? That's, yeah, I love the idea. I don't mm. like that he's charging, you know? <laughs> yeah, just the idea that something so simple can be as, as useful as, as this spewing your guts to someone that doesn't really get it. So, yeah, yeah and to connect it, yeah, I feel like it's all been lost. And I see it with the kids and the schools. It's so much more focused on the digital experience and um, not the in-person activities. For instance, my son, who really academically has not been able to succeed in any way, major disability issues, but what's really lit him up and what's been most beneficial for him is this farm program he's in, where he goes out and he works on these farms and gets his hands, you know, on the animals and uh, just, I, I, yeah, it's like back to basics, back to yeah. these these things that used to be part of our part of our everyday lives. And, you know, not saying that, that everything is bad that is with the digital, the tech, but there's, it's really out of balance. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm so glad that's helped your son just being able to also just go out and do things that are, that are physical and, and real is, is so therapeutic for so many. Right. Right. Yeah. Why spend time in a classroom beating your head against the wall to learn to, you know, read at a certain level when the time's up, get out there and start being in it, be in the, in life. And yeah. Yeah. So that's a little and, segue, and, but. And for some folks, it's like, we, we have this public public education system where we're giving kids Ritalin and Adderall because they're just kids. They don't want to sit in a desk all day. Right. They want to go they're human beings. They want to go run around. And it's, it's like, we've forced kids to adapt to school instead of adapting school to like meet kids where they're at. And we did the same thing during the pandemic. I, I just don't know. I know a ton of kids in my family who their parents were just like, you, you're saying what you want to kill yourself. That is, that is not the young man we know. And it's just because they were so isolated and so kept away from other kids that that trauma that they experience is going to take a long time to heal. Absolutely. And I hope I hope that things like plant medicine can, you know, when they're a little older, help them process some of that. And then we just need to be the, the change we want to see in the world. We got to create that community, that in-person community where you go meet your neighbors, you go shovel their snow, you go say hi to them, you actually introduce them. So when I, when I first moved to this neighborhood in Somerville, I was like, I'm throwing a party for the neighbors. I was adamant. I'm like, I'm throwing a party. I'm inviting all of them, no matter their age, no matter what they look like. So I just printed off the invites. They were pretty funny. We wrote like custom jokes on the back and we just distributed them all over the neighborhood. Neighbors that had lived here for like four or five years 
had never met each other until they came to a block party we threw having lived there for a month so you just you should just do that stuff you should just like treat your neighbors and, and treat people in your community think locally about how you can help people who are lonely because That's having great. this like grandiose vision that you need to fix it internationally or <laughs> fix it nationally like you can't you can only look out for the people who are in your life and in your community and we're doing the best we can here we got some really cool events coming up too if, if folks want to join too yeah, yeah. The one other thing I wanted to hit on is misconceptions that people have. I don't want to sure. keep you here too long, but yeah, misconceptions sure. that people might have as we're talking about this so freely because we both have such a positive experience. What are some of the reservations, you know, and how do you counter those in your in your advocacy? And yeah, well, one thing you said earlier, Jill, is is I don't think this experience is for everyone right? That's a good point. So folks, folks who have had negative or manic episodes using cannabis, I think that's a pretty good screening alternative that if you feel out of control, you know, getting high, that you might not feel very comfortable having, having a trip experience, right? There's other ways to help process life that are really mindful and helpful as well. Pick your medicine, you know, instead of picking your poison. I will say, I have to add there that, you know, with cannabis, I had a really intense, I call it a spiritual experience, but it was defined mm -hmm. as a psychotic break, Mm -hmm. but I was on a bunch of other medications. So I think sometimes looking at what somebody else's, you know, either going on in their life or consuming, and it wasn't the right time for me to continue to pursue cannabis then, but something in my head, I was like, wow, it's that powerful. I'm able to clear or see things that I could never see. Like it, Mm -hmm. the seed was planted. So sometimes I guess a difficult experience can be, can be integrated. Oh, spot on, spot on. And I've definitely had there, there's been a few times where I've taken more edibles than I, than I really (laughs) planned to. And I was definitely in a headspace that was very strange, but also very therapeutic and very enlightening. Just thinking about all the systems and identities and walls that we build around ourselves to stay sane, right? You know, we tell ourselves, I'm, I'm an American, I'm, I'm a woman, I'm a doctor, I am from this city, when these are all you know, helpful for us to ground ourselves and like construct an identity around ourselves. But, you know, what, what does it mean to be an American? What does it really mean to be a woman? What does it really mean to be any of these uh, markers that we use to like identify who we are and cannabis and plant medicine can at least temporarily help dissolve some of those walls in our consciousness so that we can think differently. And the real work, you mentioned integration, is even when you're having an uncomfortable experience in the moment on a psilocybin journey or with cannabis, it's just understanding the experience is going to be over and you can take that lesson and internalize it. I like to think of it as like talk therapy. You can just put butter on top of the toast, right? It's just on top of the toast. Right. It's supposed to work. Maybe it'll melt a little bit. It like kind of affects your psyche, but this melts the butter. 
this gets totally. the butter to, to soak into your, your subconscious mind a bit so that you can be what's called neuroplastic. You can um, have a little more flexibility in your thoughts. So here's an example I love to give. On my first psilocybin experience, I was in Berkeley, California. Uh, Sounds appropriate. I, very appropriate. Very appropriate. I took maybe three grams of mushrooms. I was going to go hang out with friends later. They'd invited me over and I was just sitting in a park and I decided to go on a walk down Shattuck Avenue. And it was, it was early evening. It was very beautiful, the lights. And I just saw a lot of smiling, happy couples and people out on the town. And the realization I had is that there's a lot of love that's given mm. out in my life, by neighbors, by friends, by family, by coworkers, that I had not believed myself worthy of receiving. I'd been turning it away. I'd just been saying, I don't deserve this love. And then just like almost convincing myself it didn't exist when I was just not realizing it. I wasn't mm -hmm. accepting it. That's a revelation that a guru could give you that you could see scrolling on Instagram, that you could look up on Goodreads quotes, you know, it's not that like profound on its surface, but psilocybin allowed that butter to soak in. You're not just hearing these mantras. You can actually kind of internalize them and break through the real walls that prevent you from believing things that can be helpful. So a lot of these spiritual revelations that you'll have on plant medicine, they might not sound that profound on paper, but what makes them profound is that you can internalize them and make them a habit and a habit of mind. That's great insight. I love that. Yeah. So true. So true. Yeah. I, I had a thought when you were talking, but again, I lost it. That's what happens when you hit 50. And the other, yeah, controversies. I think one thing that I've experienced is I did a deep dive into the spiritual community and I'm so on board with your idea or your discussion of identities and just being that we're here having a human experience. We are so much more than the physical, our physicality and just loving this community, but also a lot of people having seen uh, plant medicine as almost a crutch. And to me, I, I feel like I need to talk about this because of what you said in terms of just ac accessibility for for human for everybody are we going to leave everybody out because this doesn't fit into the box of you know what's going to you know like it's harshing our evolution because we're, we're using a plant medicine and really thinking that possibly these people that are thinking that have not had the same path and whatnot and they don't really understand the the dire need for this sort of thing so i don't know if you have any thoughts on that but i know you've got to get yeah. going and Oh, this is, no, I still got some time. Okay. Uh, so the, uh, really, really excited to be here too. I was having a conversation with a pastor in Dorchester who runs, uh, runs, you know, he serves one of the biggest black churches in, in the city of Boston wow. and a lot of folks in communities that were really harmed by the war on drugs are the most vehemently anti-cannabis, right? Yeah. They, all drugs are bad. Stay away from them. They're not good for you. And, you know, one point that really got through to him and gets through to a lot of people who are in that mindset is psilocybin can help a lot of people who have unhealthy relationships with anything, 
whether it be biting your nails, whether it be uh, addiction to, to sex or pornography, to people who use cannabis as an emotional crutch. And I know some of those people. Oh, yeah. I was that person in college <laughs> to some degree. And even though there's not a as strong of a chemical uh, basis for addiction, addiction is something that's shaped by our environment and by the culture that mm. we are in. And psilocybin, when it's combined with real changes in action and the types of people you surround yourself with and what you actually mm. do with your time, it can help you break free of a lot of habits that are self-destructive. And so when you mention dependency, psilocybin is kind of nice in the sense that uh, it's inherently non-habit forming. Mm -hmm. So if you try to have a larger macrodose experience of three or four grams of mushrooms, your brain's serotonin receptors won't let you have that spiritual experience for at least a few weeks, sometimes months, because your brain builds up a tolerance. So yeah, it's almost it's almost mystical and how that science works and that you're not supposed to use plant medicine constantly. You're right. supposed to, to use it as a, as a occasional therapeutic to help process things. Microdosing is a little different. It's also non-habit forming. Uh, you just take a 10th of a gram or so every yeah. few days. It boosts your mood slightly. It makes you feel a little more focused. It, it's different for every person. Yeah. But uh, the nice thing about psilocybin is that unlike cannabis, I think there's a much lower risk of, of dependency. Absolutely. Yeah. The yeah. intentionality, I think that piece of being, a, I still use can, I use cannabis and it's just, and it's easy to fall into habits where you're using it all the time. And you know, that's okay too. I, I just refuse to put judgment on it. I think that sure. it's, it's a path and if that's your your one thing that you're using to like chill and get through your day and it's not really hurting things, maybe you're not as checked in in some ways as you should be or whatever. But I think it affects everybody differently, too. But yeah, just um, yeah. But I do see that that can be, you know, I, I found personally that it, it works better for me when I when I am a little more intentional and kind of not so not as frequently, but um, that doesn't always work. But I do my best. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we, we have a, a really good guide on how to prepare and, and do these experiences Perfect. in a, a safe way. Folks who are on SSRIs, it's difficult because a yeah. lot of times you can't feel psilocybin experiences unless you weaned off of SSRIs for two to six weeks. And so that's difficult. It's really hard to come down from those types of I was uh, pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. That was my motivation in some ways. I think I heard it on Joe Rogan or something about mm -hmm. that interaction and, and being like, oh, I've got to, and I wanted to get off those meds, but that was a motivator for me that I could maybe have a better plant and theogen experience once I tapered off. And it was very true. <laughs> so. the, the worst drugs are the ones that punish you when you try to move away from them. You know, and I, I think point. that's probably you could generalize that to relationships too. like the, the best relationships you'll have in life. They're willing to let you let mm. you go too. they're willing to give you freedom from them. But it's the substances, compounds, dopamine hits, you name it, drugs that, you know, punish you physiologically yeah. for leaving. 
those are the ones you got to look out for. That's not to say SSRIs don't help some people. I'm sure that right. they do. Short, I, they're right I see, for some people. Yeah, sure. they're a good tool, short term. You know, I just think a yeah. lot of there's a tendency to prescribe and then never follow any support with that. You're, oh, I'm on a, antidepressants. Are you seeing a counselor? This was my experience. No, I'm not seeing a counselor. I'm just taking my uh, happy pills every day. Right. Yeah, I'm well medicated, but I'm not. Yeah, and it catches up with you physically too because they do have long-term side effects. But before it gets, yeah. gets too far, I want to ask if someone's looking to pursue psychedelic medicine or, you know, get involved in your organization, what, what can, what can they do? If they're listening and they're sure. like, huh, I'm really interested in that. Definitely. So base daters is the Instagram handle, the Twitter handle, the Facebook handle. So it's just at base daters. Our website is baystatersnm, as in naturalmedicine.org. And okay. yeah, shoot us shoot us a message, follow us, because we're always posting new events. We've got a newsletter uh, that I need to get around to sending this evening that'll have you know our next two upcoming events. We have a party against imperialism, which I believe is <laughs> great. Uh, the, it's the first Saturday of February. And it's going to be local community organizers, uh, a lot of leftist groups, but a lot of people who are not leftist mm -hmm. too, just in my basement with drinks, with good music and just good discussion topics. So we can think about how mental health intersects with making our entire global society better too, because the war on drugs creates a lot of violence around the world that we're privileged enough not to have to experience. Absolutely. And then... We are having Plant Medicine Palooza, which is March 12th. That's a Saturday from about noon to 4 p.m. We're going to have professional mushroom growers uh, that have hosted these trainings before in Worcester. Teach us how to grow legal mushrooms. Oh, I uh, love it. The asterisk there is that legal mushrooms are grown the same way as psilocybin mushrooms. Got it. Uh, then they're going to teach us how to grow cacti as well. And then we're going to have classes on meditation and trip sitting. So trip sitting is this practice of sitting with someone else while they have a plant medicine experience that could be with cannabis or it could be with psychedelics. So we're going to have people who have helped hundreds, if not thousands, find therapeutic relief there. And learning trip sitting is useful if you want to do an experience by yourself as well, or you want to Give mm -hmm. some inside tips to a, a trusted friend that you want to just be there and sit by your side. Trip sitting is, you're not talking the whole time. You're doing a lot of insider work. The the person who is on uh, psilocybin is, they're not talking to you mm -hmm. constantly. You're just kind of like bringing them water if they need it or bringing them a blanket. But sometimes they do want to talk about harder feelings that they're going sure. through in, in the moment. So yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's also a plant-based barbecue. So we're going to have really awesome food. Oh, I want to go to that. When is that? I got to get on your newsletter. Damn. <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's March 12th, Saturday, March 12th, noon okay. to 4 p.m. And that's at my house. So 43 Paulina Street, Somerville, Somerville. right by Davis Square. Wow. James, I'm just blown away by all the work that you, you've done and, and the, yeah. yeah. And base daters, uh, wow, my hat's off. I love it so much. <laughs> and, and last uh, last quick plug is every Thursday without fail, because people like consistent meetings. They're always at the same time. So every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, anywhere you're listening from, even in other states, 
you're welcome to join our virtual action hours. So we start out just by introducing ourselves, you know, it's almost like talk therapy at the beginning, just to be in a space where people like, I felt that when I was there, because you can't talk to your boss about it. You can't talk to your mom about it in the same way. I mean, maybe some people can, but, and then we talk about strategy. So like what we're doing politically with these cities and then the last, you know, half hour or so we actually take action together. So you get to leave the meeting knowing that you've helped change the world. I meant to point that out about you, that you really got everybody kind of pushed us to, to do it, to be like, do it now, you know, follow up and do it right away. Don't just say you're Mm going to do it. I love that. And, and it's easy to do when you're inspired by other people in the moment and you're all, you're all doing it together. You're right there. And you've, you've, you know, already given yourself 30 minutes to take some easy actions, to email some lawmakers, call your local lawmakers, and you've already practiced what you're going to say because you're just telling them your why. You're telling them the exact same, you know, the stuff you told us on why you care. That's what you're telling to the lawmakers Mm -hmm. too. So it's, it's pretty fun and easy. And we, we adapt it to where people are too, because a lot of folks are not involved in politics or that scary. It doesn't have to be so scary. We can make it easy to get involved. You, yeah, have phenomenal. Even, you know, a good way to get involved and then take it to other ways to get involved, you know, other ways of yeah. advocating. So I learned a lot from the experience of being involved. I definitely want to get back on your newsletter list. I'm, I'm sure. thrilled. Yes, thank you, James, so much. I'm going to take a little time processing this so we get it right and share it all over. And I'll put all the uh, links and where you can where you can learn more and all that in the notes and go from there. So. Thanks for your courage, Jill, to like have this podcast and help so many other people, you know, learn about cannabis and learn about these cool topics. And I just really, I I admire you. And I can't imagine how difficult it is to have, have, have kids that just take up so much of your, of your bandwidth, but you just love them to death anyway. Uh, Yeah. 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 It's it's worth, it's changed me in ways I can't even describe. So Yeah. 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 Anyways, thanks so much and good luck and God bless. And keep going. Thank you. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, talk soon. Okay, we're done. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye for now.